scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories. I said that all weird. Sarah, gang, gang. Yeah, gang, gang. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, cults, mysteries, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it's our show, and it's not yours. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, stop. stop. Go back. Start it from the beginning. We tell everybody to start from the beginning. Please. Man, please, please, please. Imagine last week's episode. That would have been current events to them. And now they're weeks later on oh, the update no. because they had to go back and listen from the beginning. They didn't start at last week. But Well, it's you know, just a little treat have, for everyone who keeps up. We don't have any at this time have updates in that case because yes. we record in the same day. But if there are new updates, Sarah will insert them here. Yes. So if you listen to last week's episode, which you should if you're here, we do not have, I do not have any updates to the Gabby Petito case because it has been 10 minutes since I just recorded that episode. It is still Sunday, September 19th. This episode will air, uh, not the, it will air on September 30th. So yes, because September 30th is, is a Thursday, which means this is our last, last episode. episode before Guest Overfest. Love that sound clip. But with that being said, there will hopefully be an update in Gabby's case. And if there is, I will be taking the time to try to record that update and tack it on to the end of this episode. So stay tuned. Yeah. Sorry, I don't have anything right now. If you do know anything about Gabby Petito or where she might be, please call 1-800-225-5324. That's my, that's my spiel. Let's get on to Guestoberfest. That's going to happen soon. That's Guestoberfest good. is going to start next week. Next week. And that is exciting. And so excited. This weekend is the last weekend to catch your My show. show. It is. You only have three more chances to catch the secretaries at Allen's Lane Art Center. It's a rip roaring good time. Insert chainsaw noise here. There you go, because you've got it now. Uh, It's about a murderous cult of secretaries. It's part of Philadelphia Fringe Festival. It's outside, COVID friendly, BYOC and BYOB. Bring your own chair and booze. Come out. (laughs) Bring your own chair. Come out, check it out. It should be a good time. Yeah, that's what I got. We got three more performances, and then I then I call it quits on that cult. Then I get out of the cult. Here, uh, she's down with the cult so far. I am down. I am in the thick of the cult right now. Like I'm in it. They've got all my money. I'm about to start taking drugs, she's, and they're telling me who I can sleep you know, with. Ready to start bringing the new people into the cult under her and telling them, no, it's not that weird. Totally, it's I totally do fine. This. Just join me, and if you get five of your friends to join us, and they get five of their friends to join us, then we all get diamond status. Oh man, I was gonna say, and it's an old symbol that is the mountains and the water and the earth meeting each other. It is not the initials it's of not the leader the of the cult. Let's just combine pieces of all of the all cults the cult. that we've covered to create one yes. cult. Let's call it multi-cult. Multi-cult. Multicultural. Multicultural. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can come see me, your girl, as Judy Mae Best at the Speakeasy at Halloween nights at Eastern State Penitentiary. Yeah, you're in it now. I'm in it to win it. Um, I will not be in it next 
Friday, next Thursday and Friday, because it's my birthday. birthday. So the first episode of Guestoberfest is going to be coming out on the big day. Blah, blah, blah. So that's exciting. So exciting. Um, but yes, come see me. Again, there are 15 attractions at Halloween nights. Only three of them are scary, in quote, fingers. By scary, we mean only three of them rely on startle scares, so jump scares, people jumping out at you. That will not happen at the other parts, and you can skip the parts that you don't want to do, which is very exciting. There's a beer garden. There's food. There's bacon on a stick. There's French toast bites. Sounds there's amazing. so much stuff. I Sounds can't wait. I, I can't wait to go on a night when I am not working it. And there's not a lot of those because if I'm not working it, it's because I have another gig already booked. <laughs> so I am hashtag booked and blessed for most of October. Hit me up if you want to know other places that you can see me performing. But yeah, I'm really excited. We're in it. We're about to be in our spooky season. I can't wait. We love, 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 love October, it. y'all. And it's not just because of Guestoberfest. It's not, but that's that's a, it's big, a big part, part of, of it. it. It's a big part of um, it. But also, we just love Halloween, and, you know, it's my birthday. I love fall time. I like that weather. I like yes. when it starts to cool down a little bit. Yes. Um, yeah, I just love the spooky season. And I feel like this is when we do most of our, like, our big shows. Yeah, is we this do a season. lot of big performances in this, in this time of year. This time and it's exciting to kind of, like, be... Back on that a little bit. Yeah. In in this new normal quote fingers. Yeah, that we can't have because some people don't want to play by the rules. Because some people are just like, I can't some people this fabric on my face. Didn't do their part of shot. the group What's assignment. I don't know. Just do your part of the group assignment so that we can all make an A and pass I mean, this class. Really, I am like, ready to get out of quarantine school. See, yeah, I was gonna say it's like in class where they're like, you can't go outside until everybody oh. does this, and you're waiting for that one person who just for whatever reason won't, won't do and it. You're like none of us can go outside and play until you get your shit together, Brian. Oh, it's always a Brian. Naturally. If you listen to last week's episode, you'll understand. Or even if you've or ever just... met a Brian, you'll understand. <laughs> With an I. If you're a Brian and you listen to this, tell us why you might be different. Try and try and convince, convince me. You. I'm that shitty dude at the table with the sign that's like, change my mind. Change my mind. Even though he was a shitty white misogynist guy and now he's a meme. Yeah. I'm that guy, except I'm not him. Not I'm him. me and I'm at the table and change my mind that anybody named Brian isn't With toxic. an I. With an eye. Toxic. Brian with an eye. Brian with an eye. Toxic with an eye. Brian with an eye. (sighs) They go together. Coincidence? I don't think so. (laughs) Go get vaccinated, please, all you Brians. Get vaccinated, wear a mask, and then have fun. And then let's do spooky season together. It is October, so I'll promo the next thing I have coming up, which is one night only True Tales from the Tombs at Laurel Hill Cemetery. It'll be my Wow. Like fourth, fourth year? Or, yeah. Like you've done My like this fourth many year times. doing this. Uh brand new character. So it's one night in October. It's October 30th. I think it's the Saturday before Halloween from 6 to 9 p.m. You get to go, you get to walk, tour Laurel Hill Cemetery, and you stop at certain graves and crypts to see an actor perform a piece based on someone who's actually buried there. You know what? Show- it's cute. I I know this is not the show, and I don't know if this show still goes on, but you know what I want you to do again and I want to see again? That fucking Edgar Allan Is it the Poe show? show? Girl, you know I miss that. That was so much fun. Isn't that fun? I was probably probably dating Devin at the time. I was trying to think of, like, who I went with to go see it. 
But y'all, that was a good time. Which Sawyer year was did Edgar you Allan see Poe. it? Oh, okay, so whatever that, year that was, Sawyer, Sawyer was, was Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe. Poe so then you were the Telltale. Heart. I was heart. Telltale Heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you went around this house that Edgar Allan Poe used to live in. No, God, no, no, no. He didn't live there. <laughs> no, it's just a historic house in Collingswood, New Jersey. That's all it is. It's just an old, well, creepy historic in, home. Yeah, I know he's, he's in, in Philadelphia Philly. area for a while. Yeah. So I was no. like, oh, I assumed it was like a house he spent time in. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. That makes it even better. Isn't that um, great? I know. But yeah, so when I went to see it, and I'm sure this is how they do it every year, because this seems like a thing they would do over and over again. The host at the beginning of the evening was Edgar Allan Poe, played by our dear friend Sawyer, who you was remember. amazing. He was so good. You remember, he was born on the bayou outside the bayou. of... Uh, <laughs> on, a warm, on a warm day, the temperature was 78 degrees, 90% outside, humidity. It's not here. <laughs> Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Hattie, Hattie it's not Burr. Hattiesburg, Mississippi, but he tells people it's Hattiesburg, Mississippi. You remember that. If you remember so. to every episode. But he was um, Edgar Allan Poe. He was Edgar Allan Poe. It was delightful. And then you went through the house, and in different sections of the house, different actors were performing an Edgar Allan Poe story. And yeah, we got to Sarah's room, and Sarah was the telltale heart. So she was talking about the old man that she killed and buried in the floorboards. And it, it was good. Honestly, I've been hashtag blessed because that was I bet working that gig is fun too oh my god so much fun yeah I bet so I've been doing a monologue at Halloween time since I moved to Philadelphia I have not had a Halloween Halloween where I have not done it so it we started. Always, we're always working in the spooky. We're season. always doing in the That's spooky. We do season. our funnest work. So I started doing that. It was called Shades of Poe, and my first year I did a different piece uh, about a girl who. Her sister dies, and she's been obsessed with her teeth. And so when her sister dies, she goes out, and she pulls all pulls of her, her teeth. teeth. And then turns out that her sister wasn't dead or something. They, like, buried oh my her alive. Anyway, I don't know that one, but that, that sounds was pretty my, Edgar Allan Poe. That was my first year, and that was a lot of fun. And then my second year, the woman who ran it said, because I was going to ask her if I could do Telltale Heart, but she had only ever had men performing that piece. Because sure. it's it's written to be from the voice of, you assume, a male yeah, saying it. It's like a uh, guy friend of his or whatever. It was like his who servant. Took care of him, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she asked me if I wanted to do Telltale Heart, and I was like, "Fuck yes, I do." Love and the it. whole thing with the house is, yeah, you start in the entryway, like the foyer, with the guy playing Edgar Allan Poe doing the Raven, and then telling the audience that we're walking They're through like, the you house. You know this classic, this classic. Let's ease you in before we take you to things you're not <laughs> you aware never heard of. of. And you're walking through the house, and it's filled with the spirits of the tales of, of yes, Edgar like Allan every Poe. every different room has a different ghost has that different. is the narrator of an Edgar Allan Poe. Story. It's fantastic, and we're all lit so by like fun. creepy candlelight, and it's like you can I went barely. With Adrian, fit. That's I didn't it. go with Devin. I went with Adrian. That's it. Because I remember we were both like Edgar Allan Poe. Yes, yes. And it uh, and you start again on the first floor in the foyer. You walk up two flights up to the attic, mm-hmm. which is where Telltale, Telltale was, was, which was. The, the scariest part of that for me was sitting in that attic by myself. I know. Rehearsing like, in that attic by myself. Are you to come up there? Yes. So I have to. scary I can, attic by yourself. It was terrifying. Like an hour and a half. I didn't have to be up there the whole time. But I remember every time I would go, I would have to rehearse up there by myself. 
Uh, every that. time I would walk up there, I would talk to whatever ghost was in there, and I'd be like, "Listen, you know Please me. It's me. I'm only gonna be in here for like an hour. Just leave me alone. I won't mess with you if you don't mess and with for, me. And for 50 minutes of the hour, I'm just gonna be sitting here waiting for other people, and they'll get up here, and then it's like 10 minutes, girl. We and will be I'm out done. of your way. Uh, so that was the creepiest part, and I will never forget. So there's there are sound cues for each of these pieces, and one of the pieces is the shadow of death, which she combine like two things and uh basically it comes out to these people are huddled in a room and the shadow of death comes and extinguishes all of their flames of life and this sound cue that patty the woman who ran it created was a melding of different octaves of voices all saying this phrase of like i am the shadow of death and it was terrifying sounding because it's this mixture of voices. They're all layered over, layered over each So other. the woman who was doing that piece was the floor below, below me. <laughs> and I'm up there rehearsing by myself because Patty would throw us in our rooms and then she would walk through and work with us for like 20 minute chunks. And then we would just sort of rehearse on our own. Yep. And I'm up there doing my thing and I'm in the middle of doing the piece and from the vent below my feet, I hear... I am the shadow. <laughs> I screamed. I went, nope. And I went downstairs and I told Patty that I was leaving. I was like, that's not fair. I'm done for the night. I'm going home. I will see you at my next rehearsal. I'm leaving. I cannot do this. I just pissed myself. I got to go. I might need a new costume now unless you can wash pee out of Thank this God costume. Thank God I wasn't in my costume. I was in my street clothes because it was rehearsal. But yeah, that was... that. Like, I'll go wash the pee out myself. That gig was... So much fun. By other my, than that, but other than being in the, but even still being in the creepy attic was part of the experience. But Telltale Heart was such a fun piece to do. You're in such close quarters with people that you get to make eye contact and you get to spook them. And it happened. We ran for like three weekends in October, right up until Halloween, and we would do two performances a night. And people just fucking loved it. They it seemed to time. eat. We had people go multiple years, and I did. Right, and I'm like, true. I would, I would go to that again. <laughs> I would do it again, but I think she stopped doing it. Money, life, etc. But that was so much fun. And then the year that she didn't do it again was the year that Larry Aragale, who was running True Tales from the Tombs, asked me if I wanted to. If I was interested in doing, would you, would you be interested in doing a monologue in a cemetery at Halloween time? <laughs> and I was like, let me would think I? about it. Yes. So then I switched to doing that monologue at spooky season. And both of them are super great gigs because I only have to do like two rehearsals and like one night of performances. And then I get paid hundred dollars. There you go. It's a good time it's a as a performer. Time. It's a good time as an it's audience a great member. Time. I love it. I, I miss doing true tale. I miss doing uh, the telltale heart. Maybe I'll just do it on my own. Right? I'm See like, if I still remember it. Well, if it doesn't fucking matter what house it's in, like, we could run that. Let's do it! <laughs> I'll ask Patty, can I have all of your scripts? Can I just do this? Can I just do she this in like, a different no. house? This was my idea. This was my thing. <laughs> That's I where I met Sawyer. That's where I, I officially where met, met Sawyer. Wow. Officially, yes. That's, Bringing people together. Because that first year we did it was the year that he was just sort of like crashing with his other friend. And then he moved to another place temporarily. And that place was really shitty to where whoever was living there didn't pay the electric bill. And it was starting to be like winter and fall. And so that's when Sawyer came and stayed with me for the yeah, first time. Yeah. And, and then y'all. Seven years later, we're common law married. <laughs> 
And it all started at that Edgar Allan Poe oh show. Oh, my God. What an adventure. There we go. That was a lot of banter. It's a lot of spooky banter. I love it, but it also reminds everybody we love Halloween season. We love we it. We get our best gigs at Halloween we season. We really do. Come see Sarah and the secretaries. Come see, see me Stephanie. at Halloween nights at Eastern State Penitentiary. It's running through the second weekend of November. Yes. And I am there most nights. I am not there on Wednesdays. Done. Easy. Don't okay. go on a, who wants to go on a Wednesday? It's the middle of the week. I mean, That's there, a school are, night. there are other random nights throughout that I'm not there. Just hit a bitch up to make sure if you want to like go when I'm there. But even if you don't go when I'm there, you should go because it's a really cool event and the money goes to a really good cause. Yes. That's it. Well, that's it. Hey, Sarah. Hey, hey Stephanie. Because I almost said, Hey, Stephanie. I know that's you me. did. I did. Let's try that. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> that's Stephanie. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? I'm just trying to and fix this it. Is getting nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Last time. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, hey Leslie. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? And that's right. You know what? Going into Guestoberfest, our last episode that's just you and me before Guestoberfest, we we're are talking, both talking about, about ghosts. ghosts. That's right. Are y'all ready? Because we ready? are. Because we are literally ready to talk about some ghosts. Sarah, what ready? are you talking about today? Are you ready? Yes. I'm talking about a haunted farmhouse. Do it, bitch. Bam. So this is a uh, this is a family's story of their haunted farmhouse in White Pines, Tennessee. Okay. It was built originally. So this is White Pines, Tennessee, which is a really small town in Tennessee. Sounds small. It, right. The house was built by the family called the Sartan family. And this family also basically built and ran the entire town. It's not necessarily that they were wealthy. From what I understand, there was just a ton of them. And they just sort of had a hand in every aspect of the town. And this specific farmhouse, they built. And one, I think it went through a few generations, but one of the matriarch and patriarchs, Emma Emmett and Ida Sart- Sartan, Sartan, okay. Sartan, died in the house. So you're not Sartan of how to pronounce their I'm name? not Sartan of how to pronounce <laughs> none of this, but I'm Sartan that they died in that house. I'm Sartan they did. I'm Sartan. Currently, the home still sits on 40 acres of land, and the current owners have a lot of livestock and ghosts. Yeah, Natch. Yeah. Uh, it is currently occupied by the Tothero family. Brittany and Corey Tothero. Those are the two. We'll talk about one of their children, but then the other children we won't really mention. So Brittany is the one who bought the house originally, and she says that she had always, since she was a little girl, dreamed of owning an old home. Yeah, she did. And so when this farmhouse popped up on the market, and it's gorgeous, it's big, it's beautiful, it's on all this land, she was like, oh, yes, got it. And she bought the house, and she moved in with her son. Single mom, bought a farmhouse, moved in with her son. I am here for it, Brittany. Like you do. You are killing it, girl. You bought your dream home. But like she even says, it was too good to be true. And not long after moving in, both her and her son began to experience things. They say they began to have the feeling that they were constantly being watched, just always being watched. And then Brittany began to have her sleep get disrupted. She would wake up in the middle of the night to bangs, sounds, etc. Less than a year, about 10 months after moving in, she met her now husband, Corey. Two of them started dating. They get married. Corey moves into the house. Brittany does not disclose 
that the house is haunted to Corey before Corey moves in. Wow, girl. She don't want to lose him. She got to get that ring first. She don't want to lose him. She's like, listen, you know I have a child. I also have a ghost. I didn't tell you. I also have a ghost. I have a ghost. So he moves in, and not long after Corey and his two children move in, the activity increases. Goes, yeah, Because you've more than doubled the occupants of the house now. And, and I... It's, I think it's either pissed or it's feeding off of off the, the energy, energy. of yeah, having yeah, yeah. more people in the home. So he moved in with his two kids, but he didn't realize that Brittany had other roommates, these ghosts <laughs> in the house. He was like, do they pay utilities? She's like, nah. Nah, they're useless. He's like, all right. She's like, they don't even scare the mailman. They don't do nothing. <laughs> nothing. So things that they have experienced in the kitchen— Brittany's been washing dishes, doing shit in the kitchen when she'll hear the front door open and someone say her name, clear as day, only for her to walk out there and the door is closed and there's no one there. That's just annoying. Don't like it. it stops you from the tasks that you're doing and then you have to start back that up again. It's a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. One time while Corey was doing something in the pantry, of course, they've got three kids, so there's toys all throughout the house. He said that one of the toys that was in the kitchen area began to just say, hi, 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 over and over. And Corey was like, fucking, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And not long after he kept going back about his business, the toy stopped. And then the toy started saying, seven, 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 seven. No idea why. No explanation why. Is this an electronic toy? (laughs) Like, I think so. Thing that had a they speaker in it. I was like, they did or this not. Or is like a teddy oh, bear. No, they didn't specify. I think it was something that was it supposed to make noise. But I don't know if it was supposed to say seven. Sure. I don't know. Another big area of activity is the staircase. Two separate full body apparitions have been seen on the staircase. They have a total of three full body apparitions that have been seen regularly on this property. I'm just shaking my head a lot, y'all. Two of them hang out at no. the staircase. No. Brittany claims she has seen a woman walking up the staircase and around the landing wearing a period old-timey dress and a bonnet with brown hair sticking out from under it. It's very Okay. Corey was walking down the stairs, looked up, and saw a little African-American boy leaning over the railing looking down at him clear as day. To which my reaction would be, who let you in here? Where are your parents? I haven't met you. Who, which of my children's friends are you? Who let this boy in our home? Right. How is not, there a boy here? Not, is this a ghost? It would be, whoa, I didn't realize they were having friends over today. <laughs> but he saw little African-American boy peering over the railing. On that same vein, the one child we will talk about is Brittany's son, Frank. Frank, I, boy. I think... Yeah, they're all white, except for the ghost boy. Except for that one ghost. Except for the, well, no. Oh. We will get into this. This is this is when I decided I'll get to the point, and that'll be when I'll be like, this is why I'm telling this ghost story. But Frank, from what I can tell from the way they've talked, I think Frank is sensitive okay. to the spirit world. Like a little baby Mary Angela. Like a little baby Mary Angela. That's and his Debbie his house. His Debbie house. Yes. So he says that this little boy likes to That's stay in his closet. That's he likes Debbie to be in his boy. closet. That's his Debbie. He plays 
little boy house. I don't. Little they didn't give house. him a name. Yeah, he plays little boy house with the little boy in his closet. He also, him and Corey, Corey tells the story of them going out to feed the animals one day and Frank starts talking about the ghost that's over by the tree, the big the big tree over there. And Corey's like, um, what does the ghost look like? And Frank's like, he's brown. So they have a little African-American boy that's in the house, but they've also seen an African-American man. grown-ass man on the property. Okay. We'll come back to that in a minute. The ghost. Mind you, it's in Tennessee. We've talked about this. We are in Tennessee. We were foreshadowing. Yep. The little ghost boy also likes to play with a remote control car that they have in the house. Though Brittany and Corey swear up and down that they lost the remote for that car years ago. But it'll move on its own. And there is video footage of it moving and it moving when prompted to move it. When you ask it. If you're here, can you move this toy? Can you move this car? And it's like, all over the place. The thing goes everywhere. But apparently, that, as opposed to the kids being like, whoa, it actually really, really scares the children. And one day it went all the way from, they said, the living room into the kitchen and just freaked the kids out. Not in like a funny way, but in a, we're going to be, we're traumatizing our children right now in this house with what's happening around them and they don't understand. Then the other thing that they make note of is that this is a very needy ghost. So we've got the three. We've got the woman in the bonnet. We've got our little boy. And then we've got our grown ass man outside. I don't think they ever see the grown ass man in the house. Whichever ghost is in the house, one of them, maybe both of them, is fucking needy. They say that they experience activity almost every single day, and both Corey and Brittany have trouble sleeping. They say that whoever goes to sleep first, the person left awake does not get a good night's sleep. They are constant. Something happens. A bang. The hair is pulled. It's this weird game of the ghost being like, oh, you're asleep already? I guess I'll go bother mom. And then just fucks with her all night. Oh, mom's asleep already? Guess I'll go bother dad. And fucks with him all night. While Corey and Brittany are like, we, our children sleep in their own beds now. We do not have infants. We are tired of waking up in the middle of the night with yeah. you. But recently, they, I say recently, this was like 2019, they caught a picture of an apparition in the house. And you can see in the picture that, no, go back. That it's, um, the one I'm going to show you, they've like sort of tried to brighten it and it's grainy, which I feel like sometimes makes it harder to see the apparition, but it's in the kitchen. Corey was just taking pictures. You can see Brittany in the foreground doing laundry dishes or something in the background behind her in the doorway. There is a figure that is the whole top of it is just right below the top of the doorway. So it's probably about six feet tall and it, very clearly looks like a cloaked, fully cloaked figure walking through the doorway about to go through the kitchen. And I'll hand you this. See if you can see it. Oh, God. But it's the outline of a fully cloaked hooded figure. Oh, I hate that. I fucking hate that. Well, you know what that probably is and what we've assumed from research and history of the town and the family that's a ghost on his way to a clan meeting. I was going to say, if he's not, if 
Yeah. Because there was a KKK chapter in the White Pines, Tennessee, and if the Sarton family was in everything in that town, they were probably probably also also in the KKK. KKK. Yep. So they caught themselves a racist ghost on the way to his meeting in their house. In their house! Corey was like, I knew you- The caucasity of this man. And you know he's like walking through the kitchen and he's like, I said no pictures. (laughs) he's like taking pictures they caught themselves a racist ass clan ghost when I saw that picture and then I read that another paranormal team had found out about the KKK tie in I was like oh I gotta talk about this that's a ghost of a clansman right there not only do you have ghosts in your house but you got a racist ghost in your house that's the worst that's awful you got a racist ghost in your house and a little black boy in your house. And How do these coexist? A grown black man that never comes inside the house. So the theories about who that is yeah. is at the time when the Sartans were living in this house, there was one black man in the town, Mr. Swaggerty. And he was shot and killed by police. I was going to ask if he was lunch. He was not. That was my first thought when they saw him in the tree. Is I was yeah, like, oh, no. no. He was not. And he wasn't even shot. Near the home, though it is thought that he was shot on the property. Property. Granted, it's 40 acres. It was probably bigger then. Yeah. He was shot in the heart and killed by, I believe, the sheriff's deputy. However, he had an eight-year-old son who had died when he was eight. From kids didn't live long. Um, So they are thinking... That that's Mr. Swaggerty who roams the property, and for whatever reason, his son, his son is, is attached too. to him or is looking for him and is in the house. This is saying they're looking for each other, and they never find each other because the little boy doesn't go outside. And, and he doesn't come, doesn't inside come inside because of the racism. Because the Klansman's in there. Yep. Yep. That's tough. And then the woman is just like... I guess I'm doing laundry. Like the woman ghost who they see walking up and down the stairs is like business as usual. Yes. So they caught a clan ghost. Uh, when investigating paranormal researchers. Y'all, that clo- like that cloak ghost, like he's scary looking. He's yes. real scary looking. Because it does look like you see the point at the top and then you just see the two cutouts the for the eyes. And at first glance, it's like, wow, that's when they were first showing it on the show that I watched. They're like, we caught, it was like a fully like cloaked figure. And I'm like, wow, that's really creepy. And then they started, they went and saw a historian in the town. And the historian was like, there was a KKK chapter in White Pines. And we speculate if the Sartans had a hand in everything in this town, they they probably probably had a hand in the KKK. KKK. And then they showed that picture again. And I was like, holy Oh my God. So on top of the Klansmen, paranormal researchers have discovered that the other one, other the boy is pretty responsive with the car. The other ghost that tends to be responsive is Ida. Anytime they mention Ida Sarton, are you here? EMF detectors will go off. They've caught a few EVPs of a woman's voice. She's the voice. lady of the house with the bonnet. I'm She's assuming. the lady of the house with the bonnet. And they assume that that's Ida Sarton. Um, I watched an episode of, I found this story because I started this show called Ghost Nation. 
Love it. And it's a spinoff from the OG Ghost Hunters, which mm-hmm. we've talked about in our bonus content series, What Dead Ghosts Do, where Ghost Hunters started as the two Roto-Rooter plumbers who then night-lifed as ghost hunters. Ghost hunters and they were yeah. like, that's not the pipes, that's a ghost. This is a spinoff of that show. <laughs> and this cast is, if you ever watched Ghost Hunters, Jason Hawes, Steve Gonzalez, and Dave Tango. And in my opinion, they were the best three out of the original cast anyway. And now they have a new series that I just found on Discovery+. Plus. So I'm stoked about that. This is the very first episode. They gave me a racist ghost. We are starting out strong with this show. Where was I going? But they they were investigating. They were in the kitchen looking into the dining room in that same doorway where they caught the ghost, the cloaked figure. They're doing an EVP session, filming, and they've got a detector on the floor that's supposed to detect EMF fields in a 360-degree radius. Sure. And when a ghost apparently walks by it, it, it sets it off. It's like, bah, 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 bah. ghost is here. Ghosty here. The ghost are. Basically. So it's sitting in the doorway. And it went off once, and they were like, okay, Ida, if that is you, can you please leave the room and come back in again so that we know for sure that that's you? And they're talking, and I'm watching it, you know, the real time before they play back, and Steve has the camera trained on the dining room, that doorway. And as they're talking, you just kind of see that it, like, gets dark in that back area, and he goes back and he's like, wait, 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 hold on. It almost looks like something just either walk, like it's the shadow of something blocking a light source now bouncing against that wall or something just walked into that room and passed the doorway. And when you look at it, it is a crazy, like gradual, like everything in that room suddenly gets washed in darkness. And then that meter started going off. So overall... It does appear as though the spirits are not malevolent. They are not there to hurt anybody. They're a little annoying. One of them's probably racist, but they're not hurting anybody in the house. They did, the Ghost Nation boys did think that maybe the KKK member was more of a residual haunting. It looked like he was just going about his business, regular Tuesday night meeting. Going to the meeting, right? Going to the meeting. (laughs) Whereas the little boy and Ida are definitely intelligent spirits in the sense that they will interact with you. Interact, yeah. And then it seems as though Mr. Swaggerty might also be a residual haunting because he does not interact. Yeah. So that is uh, a haunted farmstead in White Pines, Tennessee that as of 2019 was inhabited by the Tothero family. It is season one, episode one of Ghost Nation on Discovery Plus, which is really cool. And uh, that's my ghost story before Guestoberfest. I love it. Yay! Ghosties, what's your ghost story? So mine isn't necessarily a ghost story. All right. So much as we've talked a lot about different very haunted places in America. Um, The South is very haunted. We've talked about this because of the Civil Civil War War and slaves and a lot of that business. And I always assumed Philly was, like, one of the most haunted places because Philly's got a lot of history. One of the places that I 
just never assumed. And then I looked into it and I was like, wow, I completely underestimated how haunted you are. Oh. It's Washington, D.C. Huh. Okay. All right. Uh, I think I can so see that. So D.C. is haunted as fuck. And I'm going to talk about some of the ghosts of Washington, D.C. I'm into it. Specifically, D.C. is so speculatively haunted that reported haunted locations in the District of Columbia, I was using quotation fingers, Sarah saw them. I did. Is its own Wikipedia page. Wow. And it's huge. And Wikipedia doesn't really talk about ghosts. Like, they talk about true crime. Yeah. And they talk about, like, urban legends or whatever. But ghosts are, like, a tiny asterisk. Sure, Some people right. say this is haunted. And, like, I, for reference, was like, do they have a page like this of Philly? Because this Washington, D.C. Was it huge? Was huge. And I was like, do they have a page like this of Philadelphia? No. They have a page like that of Pennsylvania, which encompasses some of Philadelphia. But even all of Pennsylvania is a fraction of how much shit they have on ghosts in D.C. Is it mainly... I mean, I, I know I've heard that the White House is reportedly haunted AF. So... We've got the Capitol, Capitol Hill, the White House, Lafayette Square, Independence Avenue Southwest, the Octagon House, Chinatown, the National Theater, and more. Those are like the big ones. Okay. And I listed eight places right there. And those aren't even all the places that are supposedly haunted. And I was like, wow. But it makes sense because (laughs) those areas, Washington, D.C. specifically, has been a site of many, many military battles, specifically in not just the Civil War, but the American Revolution. Revolution, Lots of deadly duels have taken place in D.C., assassinations, untimely deaths, and other associated tragedies. And I was like, yeah, I mean... And an insurrection. It makes sense. And as of this year, (laughs) an insurrection. So um, it makes sense that D.C. is haunted as fuck. And we're going to talk about some of the government buildings that are really fucking haunted. (laughs) And I just found this to be very exciting. So we're going to start with the Capitol. Okay. Uh, The United States Capitol is considered to be one of the most haunted buildings in D.C. The first apparition to be seen there was in the 1860s as the Capitol was being built. There were multiple people who died building the Capitol building. Of course. Because it's old-timey and huge, so you know people People died. died. You know that. One such ghost is said to be that of a worker who died after a fall during the construction of the Rotunda and is now seen occasionally floating beneath the dome and carrying woodworking tools. Oh, I hate it when I hear about ghosts that are who still are going still to having work. to work. I know. It's like the like saddest capitalism thing you've at ever its finest. heard. And they put the capital in capitalism. Ooh. <laughs> He's dead and on his way into fucking work. Another spirit is allegedly a stonemason who, by different accounts, was either crushed to death beneath a wall which collapsed or murdered by a coworker, <laughs> and I'm like little. Could it be both? Yeah, a? right. Like did the well, co-worker... he was hit with all of column A. <laughs> <laughs> he was smashed. He was dead, <laughs> and he was drunk. Speaking of columns, I went to see the columns at the arboretum. Oh yeah, that was the thing I did when I was in D.C. On did you see any ghosts? I didn't see any ghosts, but I did go to the bonsai museum. That was really cool. Oh yeah, as part of the arboretum. It was neat. Uh, there's also been, um, this person has been seen in old Senate chambers or passing through the walls in the basement beneath the Senate. 
many politicians <laughs> with strong personalities and powerful insti- and powerful attachments to the institution of Congress are also. So you've got tons of Congress. They're all still working. Senators, representatives, all of them fumbling around the Capitol as useless as they were when they were alive. <laughs> now they're just scaring people. <laughs> now they're just spooking people. From beyond the gray, they're already spooking people afraid that they were going to take away whatever. But you've got, um, most famously, we have uh, a representative, Joseph Cannon, who was a Republican from Illinois. He's also the Speaker of the House from 1903 to 1911. Please tell me they're not all Republicans, because that seems about right. And Representative Champ Clark, who is a Democrat from Missouri, and he was the Speaker of the House from 1911 to 1919. They are both claimed to occasionally return to the dark chamber of the House of Representatives after midnight and after a loud (laughs) rap of the gavel, resume strong, angry debates like they did in life. Yeah, they did. Even in death, the two of them are going at it. The two of them are just fucking yelling at each other in the gavel. Can you imagine the security card being like, God damn it, we are on recess, y'all. Don't you love it? Members of the United States Capitol Police have claimed to see uh, Senator and Representative Thomas Hart Benton sitting at a desk in the National Statuary Hall, although it has not been used as a a legislative chamber since 1857. Hmm. But he goes down there. Now, this person is alive, but I swear to God, if this was a ghost, this is the, a name that a ghost would come up with pretending to be a real person. Oh, is it Donald Day Chomp? No, this man's name is Steve Live and Good. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what's your name? He's like, Steve. They're like, what's your last name? Uh, I'm Live and Good. good. They're um, like, but sir, where are your feet? You're floating. He's the chief tour guide of the United States Capitol Historical Society. I'm like, he's a ghost pretending to be a man. He sure is. That is what Steve Livengood is. Let me just <laughs> tell you right now. He says that he's seen the ghost of Representative Wilbur Mills, Democrat from Arkansas. <laughs> Which don't you like that I have to clarify? Who I do, yeah. Um, near, near his former office late at night. There is a man whose name was Pierre-Charles L'Enfant, who was not a politician, but he was a major during the American Revolutionary War. Was his big baby? Oh. Was his last name is L'Enfant? L'Enfant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. If you didn't know, the French, you know, backed us up a lot during the American Revolution. Lafayette was a big deal. Y'all know about him from Hamilton. Did you see Hamilton? <laughs> I knew about it. There's a street. David digs. He kills it. <laughs> there was a bit Eddie Izzard did in the 90s talking about Lafayette and was like, there's a street named after him, New York. And then there, <laughs> then uh, Eddie Izzard, who now uses she, her pronouns. Then she's like, you know, you don't even fucking know your own history. You don't know who that is. But now people do, now I guess, because Hamilton. Because the same guy in one act plays Lafayette, and then the next act, he's Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Yep. <laughs> but anyway. Thomas Jefferson's coming home. So he was a major in the American Revolutionary War who um, was with George Washington at Valley Forge. He was appointed an architect and planner of the new city of Washington in the District of Columbia. And although L'Enfant submitted grandiose plans for the new capital city, those plans were never fully adopted by Washington, who dismissed him. If you didn't know, Washington was a bitch. Um, (laughs) 
Lanfant spent so much of the rest of his life attempting to wrest monetary payment from Congress because even though they decided not to go with his plan, he worked on it for fucking years and then they didn't they pay, didn't pay him. him and he died in poverty in 1825. Oof. Eyewitnesses, however, claim to have seen his spirit walking through the Capitol, head down, murmuring to himself with the plans of the capital city still tucked under his arm. I imagine he's murmuring, Bitch, better have my money. Where my <laughs> money at? Washington has money. The Capitol's also been witness to murder and death. Representative William P. Taubley from Kentucky, he was a congressman, from 1884 to 1888, Charles E. Kincaid was a journalist for the Louisville Times, had accused Tobley of adultery and involvement in a patent office scandal. Wow. How American. Which had ruined Tobley's political career. On February 28, 1890, the ex-congressman and the reporter ran into one another at the Capitol, and Tobley assaulted and embarrassed Kincaid by tweaking the much smaller man's nose. Oh, I thought you were going to say nipples. nipples. <laughs> I know. When I first read it, I thought it was going to say nipples. I wish it was nipples. I know. Kincaid ran home, grabbed a pistol, of and course he, he encountered Tobley on the marble staircase leading from the house chamber down to the dining room, shot him in the face. Oh! <gasps> Just below Tobley's left eye. Whoa. Tobley died two weeks what? later. Weeks. And Kincaid was acquitted after claiming self-defense because America. Good Lord. Journalists and others claim that whenever a reporter slips on these stairs, Tobley's ghost briefly appears. <laughs> to be like, ha ha. I imagine that uh, that he pushed them. Uh, that if a reporter trips on the stairs, it's because he fucking pushed them. And somebody looked up, and they're just seeing him standing there after having just pushed a reporter. <laughs> but whenever a reporter trips on the stairs, they say his ghost shows up. Because he's like, I want to see you fall. Now he's like, uh, right? fake news. Fake news. <laughs> Former president and then representative John Quincy Adams suffered a stroke at his desk in the House chamber on February 21st, 1848, and was taken to the Speaker's room. His physical condition was too precarious to permit him to be moved, and he died at the Capitol two days later. Mm. Many people claim to have heard Adams' ghost denouncing slavery late at night in the National Statuary Hall. Good for him. To this day, good for him. And he's like the national. He's like the modern day prison system is the slavery racket of America. That's like him in the middle of the night. And someone has to go up to him and be like, "Yo, yo, 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 yo. This year, Black Lives Matter." <laughs> that's what that's what we say now. That's what we say. Now. Um, many people claim to, uh, yeah. So they've they've heard him still denouncing slavery. One congressional staff member claims that by standing in the spot where Adams' desk once stood, a person can still hear the former president's ghostly whisper. Wow. James A. Garfield was a member of the House from 1863 and 1881 before assuming the presidency in March of 1881. Garfield was shot by Charles J. Guteau, a disgruntled office seeker, on July 2nd, 1881 at 9.30 a.m. as he walked through the 6th Street station of the Baltimore and Potomac Railroad in Washington, D.C., Garfield died of heart failure brought on by blood poisoning itself caused by poor medical care. Isn't that mm. awful? Yeah. On September 19th, 1881, while recuperating at a beach house near Long Beach, New Jersey, witnesses have seen Garfield's specter walking solemnly through the halls of Congress. Wow. Not all Capitol hauntings are related to people who worked there. 
the demon cat is alleged to prowl the halls of Congress and make appearances just before a national tragedy or a change in presidential administration. Yeah. So he popped up right before 9-11. Is that what we're going to talk about? Well, I was going to say he popped up right before the insurrection. insurrection. Did he? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. It was first seen in an early part of the 19th century, and a night watchman shot at it in 1862. It's also been seen by other night watchmen and members of the Capitol Police. It appeared before the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln and the October 29 stock market cra- 1929 stock market crash and the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. The cat has not only been seen in the halls, but has also repeatedly appeared in Washington's tomb, which I will get to in a minute. The tomb, which is two levels below the crypt beneath the Capitol Rotunda, was an original feature of the Capitol planned as a resting place for George Washington and members of his family. The Washington family politely declined the offer. That is a short way to put what went on with Washington's tomb. That's a whole other thing. The tomb stands empty, although from 1865 to 2009, when it was moved to the United States Capitol Visitor Center. So what was supposed to be his tomb is just there. Um, just like an empty box. I mean, it's like an empty room that yes. they then picked up so and moved. So it's under the Capitol, mm-hmm. um, and it is where Washington was supposed to be buried. <laughs> There's a whole lot that went on that they ended up not burying him there, and they were going to move his body there. And there are multiple times throughout like the 1800s where they tried to get his body moved there, especially because somebody broke into his tomb where he is laid to rest in Mount Vernon and Mm -hmm. tried to steal his head. Mm -hmm. Found all this out when I was like, what's Washington's tomb? That's Washington's tomb. I also learned about, which we're coming up on this, uh, the Lincoln catafalque. I think that's how you pronounce it. And I was like, what is that? So the catafalque is like that big glass box that they'll keep a famous dead person in. Yes. Did you know they have reused Lincoln's catafalque multiple times when they have shown different um, politicians who are lying in state, which Mm -hmm. I also learned what that means. So that is when they take a famous political person and prop their dead body up, basically, for people to come look at mm-hmm. in a state house. And they still do this. This yeah, is they not did like... It, they did it for RBG, right? Yeah. Um, yes. They put her in state. Yes. Yeah. So that means, like, they're keeping this person's body where people can come look at them and mourn them, like, in a It's an open casket. Building. Yeah. But the box that they do that with, that they've used multiple times, was originally built for Lincoln. Look, hey, reduce, and reuse, people recycle. people have been in that box to be shown uh, on display. And that box is also, when not in use, stored in the Capitol Visitors Center. <laughs> So the specters of at least two soldiers are also said to haunt the Capitol. A few eyewitnesses have claimed that whenever an individual lies in state in the Capitol Rotunda, a World War I doughboy momentarily appears, salutes, and then disappears. A second apparition, which eyewitnesses say is the ghost of an American Revolutionary War soldier, has also appeared at the Washington tomb. According to several stories, the soldier appears, moves around the Lincoln catafalque, and then passes out the door into the hallway before disappearing. On Capitol Hill, it's also one of the largest, most densely populated neighborhoods of D.C. It's bounded by by F Street Northeast on the north and the southeast 
East slash Southwest freeway on the South, the U.S. Capitol marks its Western boundary. So this is like a big area that's like surrounding the Capitol, but it's like a neighborhood where people live. Mm -hmm. Although Capitol Hill has been home to many of the city's powerful, its hauntings appear to be few. One ghost, however, is said to haunt First Street Northeast, Joseph Holt and Judge Advocate General of the United States Army from 1862 to 1875. He presided over the trials of the Lincoln assassination conspirators. Mm. During the trials, he accused conspirators Dr. Samuel Mudd, who treated John Wilkes Booth's broken leg, and Mary Surrett, whose downtown boarding house the conspirators met at, Mm -hmm. were held at the old Capitol prison opposite the U.S. Capitol. Uh, After Holt retired, he allegedly became a recluse in his Capitol Hill home. Although Holt's house no longer exists, local residents have told stories of Holt's ghost walking down First Street Northeast in a blue suit and cape, pondering the guilt of Mud and Surratt as he heads for the site of the Capitol prison. Interesting. The White House is also super haunted. It is the oldest building of President's Park. It's an integral part of the planned city of Washington, D.C. A design was chosen and construction began in 1792, and the building, although unfinished, was opened for occupancy on November 1st, 1800. The first people to occupy the building were President John Adams and his wife, Abigail. Parts of the mansion were unfinished, including the cavernous East Room. With no running water, it wasn't installed until 1834. Water had to be brought into the house by a jug and heated for bathing or laundry to be done. Abigail Adams often hung the family's laundry up to dry in the drafty East Room. The ghost of Abigail Adams has been seen since shortly after her death in 1818 uh, with her arms extended out as if she was carrying laundry in the East Room. God damn, she's still working too? Yeah, the fucking, the first lady. The first lady, the work's never done. Uh, She's accompanied by the smell of soap or damp clothing. Aww. Household staff in the Taft administration even observed her walking through the walls. Abraham Lincoln's ghost is said to haunt the White House. Because, of course. He's he's the most famous apparition. Eleanor Roosevelt never admitted to having seen Lincoln's ghost, but did say that she felt his presence repeatedly throughout the White House. Mrs. Roosevelt also said that the family dog, Fala, would sometimes bark for no reason at what she assumed was Lincoln's ghost. How does she feel Lincoln's presence? She didn't know him. She didn't she know him. That's that's how it works, I guess. She wanted attention. President Dwight Eisenhower's press secretary, James Hackerty, and Liz Carpenter, press secretary to the First Lady, Lady Bird Johnson, both said they felt Lincoln's presence many times. The former president's footsteps are also said to be heard in the hall outside of the Lincoln bedroom. As reputable an eyewitness as Lillian Rogers Parks admitted to her admitted to in her autobiography, my 30 years backstairs at the White House, that she had also heard them. Margaret Truman, daughter of President Harry S. Truman, said she heard a specter rapping at the door of the Lincoln bedroom whenever she stayed there, and she believed it was Lincoln. Lincoln was like, hey, girl, what you doing? President Truman himself once wakened by raps at the door while spending a night in the Lincoln bedroom. Others have actually seen an apparition of the former president. The first person reported to have actually seen Lincoln's spirit was First Lady Grace Coolidge, who said that she saw the ghost of Lincoln standing at a window in the yellow oval room, staring out at the Potomac. Mm. Winston Churchill, 
Theodore Roosevelt and Maureen Reagan and her husband all have claimed to have seen a spectral Lincoln in the White House. Huh. A number of staff members of the Franklin D. Roosevelt administration claim to have seen Lincoln's spirit. And on one occasion, Roosevelt's personal valet ran screaming from the White House claiming that uh, he had seen Lincoln's ghost. That's an appropriate response. (laughs) Right. Perhaps the most famous incident was in 1942 when Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands heard footsteps outside her White House bedroom and answered a knock at the door only to see Lincoln in his frock coat and top hat standing in front of her. She promptly fainted. Several unnamed eyewitnesses have claimed to have seen the shade of Abraham Lincoln actually lying down on the bed in the Lincoln bedroom, which was used as a meeting room at the time of his administration. And others have seen the have seen Lincoln sit on the edge of the bed and put his boots on. The most famous eyewitness to the latter was Mary Eben, Eleanor Roosevelt's secretary, who saw Lincoln pulling on his boots, after which she ran screaming from the room. The last sighting of Lincoln's ghost was in the early 1980s when Tony Savoy, White House operations foreman, came into the White House and saw Lincoln sitting in a chair at the top of some stairs. Wait, what? Wait, just sitting in a chair at the top of stairs, like looking down? Why is there a chair at the top of the stairs? I don't know. Maybe it's that's the, precarious. the chair from his memorial. I just imagine like him, like the statue that's at the Lincoln Monument. But just at but the top of stairs. Him. It's just him as a ghost at the top of the stairs. Abraham Lincoln is not the only Lincoln ghost witnesses claimed to have seen in the White House. Oh, we got Mary Todd? Willie Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's oh, 11-year-old son. son who died at the White House of yes. typhoid in February of 1862. Willie Lincoln's ghost was first seen in the White House by staff members of the Grant administration in the 1870s, but has appeared as recently as the 1960s to President Lyndon B. Johnson's college-age daughter, Linda Bird, uh, Linda Bird Johnson Robb, saw the ghost and claims to have talked to him. What did he say? I don't know. That mm, I don't have. Bitch. Other Not presidential you, uh, ghosts. Uh, as well as first ladies, are said to haunt the White House. Witnesses in the past two centuries have reported that Thomas Jefferson can be heard playing his violin in the Yellow Oval Room. President Andrew Jackson is said to be lying on what is thought to be his old bed in the Queen's bedroom, also known as the Rose Room, and his guttural laugh can be heard in the White House since the beginning of the 1860s. I would love that they're like, and he also just curses all the time. Oh, he's he was, just, and he, he was all a, racist. Yeah. He was an old racist. With let's a repl- foul mouth. Let's replace him on that $20 bill with Harriet Tubman. Let's do it, y'all. First Lady Press Secretary Liz Carpenter heard the laugh and swore it was Jackson's. And Mary Todd Lincoln claimed to have heard the stomping and swearing of an invisible president when she claimed was the uncouth Jackson. That's him. She's like, God damn, even in death, you're out here being rude. Out here causing a damn ruckus. Out here being fucking rude. White House seamstress Lillian Rogers Park said that she was sewing in the queen's bedroom and felt a presence cold air, and then a hand on the back of her chair. She quickly left the room and for the rest of her time at the White House refused to enter that room again without at least one person accompanying her. That's fair. Gotta do the buddy system. The spirit of William Henry Harrison, it is claimed, haunts the addict and President John Tyler allegedly haunts the blue room. First Lady Frances Folsom Cleveland, who is married to President Grover Cleveland in the White House Blue Room in 1886, is widely claimed to haunt the room where she was married and was seen there after her death in 1947. Hmm. There are 
tons and tons and tons more ghosts that aren't famous people in the White House. You can look into those. Um, but there, as like I said, there's the Octagon House, which is in a different neighborhood. Independence Avenue Southwest. The spirits of slaves are said to haunt a portion of Independence Avenue Southwest, which was the site of the city's largest, most notorious slave markets. Mm. The Yellow House or Williams Slave Pen at about 800 Independence Southwest, now the site and the headquarters of the Federal Aviation Administration, was the most notorious slave pen in the capital. A modest, well-maintained two-story yellow house concealed a very large basement in which slaves were chained to the walls in windowless rooms, while a 30-square-foot yard surrounded by 12-foot-high brick wall provided space for training and selling of the slaves. Another large slave market, the Roby Slave Pen, was just a block away at the corner of 7th Street Southwest and Independence Avenue Southwest. On dark nights, witnesses say they have heard the clinking of chains and the screams on Independence Avenue where the slave pens used to operate. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. It's terrible. Blech. There is also a Chinatown district. Um, but prior to the 1930s, that area that is now Chinatown was primarily populated by German immigrants. So in Chinatown, there's a lot of weird German ghosts <laughs> walking around Chinatown. You're like, huh, interesting. Um, the National Theater and the National Building Museum, the Hay Adams Hotel, uh, Walsh Mansion and DuPont Circle, as well as the Woodrow Wilson House, Georgetown, and Uptown, those are all areas that are haunted. Goodness. And they all have a long, long history of different people who were there. And most of those people, I mean, all those people are dead now, but most of them are also ghosts. And it makes sense that Washington, D.C. is haunted as fuck. Yeah. I did not ever think about that until I was like, I wonder what kind of ghosts there are in D.C. And the answer is a whole fuck ton. There's a whole fuck ton of ghosts in D.C. Almost any kind of ghost you want, it sounds like. All of them. You want this ghost? We got it. You want this ghost? We got it. And then that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. There it is. There's all of our, there are multiple ghosts in this There's episode. There's so many so ghosts. So many ghosts. I was like, I can't focus on just one ghost. I got to talk about all the ghosts. And even then, I couldn't possibly talk about all the ghosts. That's how many of them there are. That's it. That's DC's it. fucking haunted. DC's haunted. The South is haunted. Philly's haunted. It's all haunted. You're haunted. Welcome to October. I my childhood. Oh. Next up, next episode, y'all. Next week, it's gonna be good to guest I love that so much. Yep, this so is your exciting. last chance to catch Sarah and the Secretaries this yes, weekend. Please, you can come see me at Halloween nights at Eastern State Penitentiary, which is running through the second weekend in November. Otherwise, you know where to find us. We've got our email, deadtimestories with a Z at gmail.com. We've got our website where you can buy merch. We've got our Patreon where you can support us and get cool bonus content that's really super awesome. We've also got just you, the listeners, who we would ask to give us a five-star review Please. on iTunes, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, anywhere where you listen, and then log in with your other email and, and give leave us, us another five-star five -star review. <laughs> we got to fight the system. Get understand. our faces known. That's how it works. That's what's up. That's it. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. Until next week for Guestoberfest. I love it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, Sarah here. So this week's update is super short, unfortunately, on Gabby's case. As you all remember last week, right after we had finished recording the episode, Gabby's remains were found as of this week, which I am actually recording this update, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on September 30th. We're almost at October. Either way, what happened these past two weeks is the following. On September 22nd, they officially released an arrest warrant for Brian Laundrie. He is still missing. As of today, September 30th, he is missing. He was last seen by his parents on the 14th of September. He was reported missing on the 17th of September. Brian's parents released a statement via their lawyer on the 27th saying the following, Chris and Roberta Laundrie do not know where Brian is. They are concerned about Brian and hope the FBI can locate him. The speculation by the public and some in the press that the parents assisted Brian in leaving the family home or in avoiding arrest on a warrant that was issued after Brian had already been missing for several days is just wrong. Is it? But is it? Another interesting piece of information that has come out as of these past few days is that apparently Brian bought a burner phone in between the time that he got home on September 1st and when he went missing on the 14th. There is video surveillance from a wireless cell phone store of Brian and an older woman entering the store and apparently buying a phone. It is speculated that this is indeed the phone that was left in the Mustang so that people thought that when Brian went missing, he left his wallet and his phone. You can't see, but I'm doing air quotes around phone. The theory floating around is that he went and he bought a burner phone and that that is the phone that he left in the car while he went and took his regular phone and he's off in the wilderness. Either way, It sure sounds like his parents are fucking helping him. I don't care what they say. They've led the police on a wild goose chase. They're no longer helping. They never were in the beginning. It's absolutely atrocious. I cannot even imagine how Gabby's parents are feeling knowing that they spent time with these people, that they trusted their daughter with these people. And this is how they're handling the situation. The last update I'll give you, if you're on our Facebook page, then you might already know. Big news, y'all. Dog the Bounty Hunter is on the case. Don't worry, we're going to get this solved. Yep, so renowned reality. Is he renowned? He's not renowned, but I'm sure you know who he is. He's a reality uh, TV star who's a quote-unquote bounty hunter. It's called Dog the Bounty Hunter. And he has publicly started searching for Brian. There are reports that TMZ has leaked that he says he's getting closer, that he firmly believes that Brian is alive and he's just out hiking, hold up somewhere, and that he is closing in on Brian's location. Who knows? We'll see. At this point, 
I don't care who finds Brian. I just want someone to find him, be it Dog the Bounty Hunter or be it Little Joe Bob down the street. I really don't care. But that man, that boy needs to be brought to justice. Again, if you have any tips or information on this case, if you think you've seen Brian Landry, which honestly, y'all, it's hard. He looks like every other white dude. I see a bald white guy walking down the street and I'm like, oh, is that him? And I'm in Philadelphia. Ain't no way he's up here. But if you've seen him, you have any information, please reach out to the FBI. That's all I have for this week. We'll see what happens next week. Thank you all so much for listening. And starting tomorrow, we are officially in Gugugugugastoberfast. Thank y'all for listening. We'll see you next week. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 